Welcome to episode 17 of A Beer with Sam and Peter. I'm Sam, he's Peter, and we're drinking possibly just the most amazing beer of all time. Well, yeah, uh, we're, I mean, okay, we're drinking a mediocre beer out of a very, out of a fantastic <laughs> bottle. <laughs> yeah, we're drinking, we're drinking a beer out of a bottle shaped like Buddha. Yeah. It's called Lucky Beer. It's called Lucky Buddha. Lucky Buddha Beer. Yeah, it's got Lucky um, Beer, and it's also called Lucky Buddha, and yeah. it's got, there's like a Lucky Horseshoe on the back. It's hard to tell, really, because the, like... I think Lucky is the brand. The bottle shape takes up almost the entire, the entire real estate. Going Product of China. This beer? Yeah. Guys, Any, yeah. Anyway. You should really, so we have a uh, Instagram? Yep. Uh, I don't know these things. Uh, I think it's like AB with SP or a beer with Sam and Peter. I think either one you can yep. search and and you'll um, you will find it. Yeah. So jump on jump on the Instagram. It's worth it this time just to see. It is. Yeah, it is an interesting, a interesting beer. Anyway, cheers, Sam. Should we taste cheers. this monstrosity? All right. I mean, it's not. It's not bad. It reminds me of something. Yeah, it tastes like it's it's a lager. Mm. Rigos always taste kind of weak. Yeah, to me, tastes a bit like Corona, actually. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah, yeah. That's as, that's as far as we can get with beer. <laughs> After six, it's like a very, very, episodes. very light taste. Um, not my sort of beer, really, but it's sort of pretty typical of what you get in Australia yeah. and Asia. Next week we have um, Stone and Wood, which I'm very excited about because that is yeah we, my we, favorite beer. I went to Dan Murphy's and stocked up, and where. We've got many exciting beers to come over the next few episodes. Yeah, so it should be fun. Anyway, anyway, anyway how, have you, how have you been, Sam? I've been, I've been really good. Yeah? Um, I've, I, I would say A about, lot of stuff has happened since we last recorded. Yeah, I would say about... We've both been very busy. 45% of my time, or at least my, my, my thought, mm-hmm. my thoughts have been on Pokemon Go, though, <laughs> still. I've been really which into that fine. game. Which is something I didn't... So I came in late to this game. Yeah. When we talked about Pokemon Go last time, you which which uh, the last episode, which as we speak hasn't come out yeah. yet, <laughs> it'll come out later today. But uh, um, I like you had played it and you had told me about it, and I just started it, and I was like, it's okay. Um, and now, like, I am now definitely like, ahead of you. Yeah. You're like four levels ahead of me. I'm level twenty one. Um, I'm level seventeen. I'm like evolving things optimally. I got my calculators out to work out average CP projections for evolutions. You've been actively like going on expeditions with your girlfriend to yep. catch Pokemon. And that's been a tipping point for me. Yeah. But I suppose we'll talk about that in games. Oh, we can, why don't we talk about it now? I mean, oh, oh, Peter breaking the mold. We're talk about <laughs> games first. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about this game first. Crazy. Actually, this is something we've wanted to do for a little bit. Just break it's, up. Let's the... talk about uh, games and movies and TV Sort of in a weird order. Bit more of a conversation. So I time. might just like just be a complete uh, cowboy here. We had a plan, but you know plans change, <laughs> and you got to react to that. No, Sam. How could you? So you're we're ruined just, by we're just carefully go constructed movie, TV show, game, movie, TV show, reality. Game. Yeah, actually, yeah. This is something we did discuss for like way too long. We care about the, these things that you probably don't care about at all. Like we have conversations where 
It's like, how do we make this more interesting? Do you guys think maybe the viewers are getting tired or listeners are getting tired by the time we get to games? Should we have games all in together? Should we even talk about games? Yeah. Anyway, Pokemon Go is the kind of massive crossover mainstream success that I don't think anybody ever could have anticipated. I am willing to go with the Go with it being unprecedented. Like it's an unprecedented is un- global unprecedented. phenomenon. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And I can't. I know imagine. we talked about this kind of thing on the last episode, but we recorded that episode like a month ago. And since then, yeah, the explosion in Pokemon Go popularity is insane. It's, it's one it's of those incredible. games that I thought, like, with any kind of big like out of nowhere success like this, you usually have a pretty quick drop off. Yeah. And there's been it's been out for about a month, and I, I there I think there probably has been a little bit of a drop off, but it is still managed to maintain its insane popularity. Like you'll still drive around in the oh, evenings yeah. and see yeah, yeah. see at least ten people walking around with their phones in front of their faces, stopping every hundred meters to catch a Pokemon. So I was doing the late night thing, like being like, okay, I I haven't been able to redeem more than one gym. Yet. Yeah. Um, so Pokemon Go, you go, you be a gym, you put your Pokemon in it, and every, not, I don't think it's 24 hours, I think it's like 20 hours? It's 20, on 19 maybe? Something like that. Some amount of hours. Every day almost so, a day. you can redeem, um, at the, sh- at the store, you get so po- for every you get, Pokemon you have in a gym, you, you get, get 10 Pokecoins, which is like the, um, premium currency. Like the actual money currency kind Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you get some Stardust. I haven't been able to do it twice, mainly because we're Team Instinct, we're Team Yellow, yeah, and uh, which is the underrepresented team. Yeah, so it's just hard. They just go. But I was doing that at night, like twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. I'd drop my girlfriend at somewhere, and then and then I'd go on a Pokemon hunt before I got back. Um, and um, I like took a gym, and I was like, "This is my time." There's a couple of gyms in a row. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'll take a few, redeem. <laughs> I took one. I was halfway like to the next one and it just, my other gym got taken down. Like there were just people around, At ninja life. Pokemon assassins that were just still there. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. I, um, yeah, the, the, I would say that the, I probably would have already stopped playing it, uh, to be honest, if, if my girlfriend wasn't into it and you don't, it doesn't need to be your partner that's into it, but. To have to a have friends Pokemon to... Go partner, someone yeah. as crazy about it as you are, um, it's it helps so much. Yeah, like my my brother is is quite into it, and a couple like yeah. usually at least one evening a week we'll go and try and take some gyms and drive yeah. around in any Pokestops. And since since the last episode, actually, I've moved house, yeah. and where I've moved house to is like a street away from. There's this really long street and a, a block that goes around the school. And if you go and do that loop, it's maybe a 3K loop return from my place right. around this loop. There's about 15 or 20 Pokestops in like this one block area and three gyms. It's Just fantastic. fantastic. Compared to the last place I lived, which had one yeah. like really close to the house, like it was 100 meters from the house, but then there was none for about a K radius around it. So I live really close to a ferry terminal. So here in Brisbane, the whole city's built around a river and... I suppose like a lot of places, but we, you know, we got like city cats, like boat buses. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I just realized we had to explain that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've got one really close Berries, to my house. basically, and, except they're big catamarans. Yeah. All, uh, 
like all up the river at all these city cat stops, there's a bunch of places you can get out. So we went on a little bit of a, like, this is how crazy I'm about it. We went on like a day expedition to South Bank because first of all, there's a lot of lures there. It's like a big... South Bank, it's like the kind of... Um, it's good, based kind of like the cultural center of Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of tourists there and a lot there's of a, young There's people a really there. popular movie cinema. There's really nice gardens you yeah. can walk through. So obviously there's, there's the a lot Brisbane of Brisbane Eye, which is the big waste of money Ferris we have, wheel. We have maybe the shittiest... The shittiest London Eye like London Eye ripoff ever. Yeah. It's like slightly higher than some of the buildings and shorter than most of the others. And when you get up there, it's like some... A huge amount of money. We got. We went on it's it. About but we 20, went on, on it's it for twenty free. to forty dollars per person. Oh, I think it's close. It's like around forty dollars. Yeah. And we only went on it for free. Like to stress that. Um, yeah. and you get up there, and we like went around maybe like two or three times, saw stuff. Like, it wasn't tall enough to get above buildings. Like, it was looking into people's windows. Um, and this whole time they've got like. You know this really bad generic touristy Aboriginal CD playing? Yeah, like like um, uh, elevated music, except as Aboriginal. If you've gone to any touristy thing in Australia, it's kind of crap. And it's like it like fades in and out as this like announcer woman points out things, but the points of interest just aren't really that important. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a nightmare. And someone who has lived in Brisbane your entire yeah. life, it's just not. Yeah, it's just not a worth. It while experience there's not enough cool stuff to see like you can see from london the london yeah. eye but talking about cool stuff to see um i've seen so much since playing pokemon go yeah and just to have it on in the background like properly in the background is definitely the way to do it i don't understand people trying to work out how to play pokemon go on the pc or working out putting things in drones because my favorite bit is like a like the hunt i like so we went to south bank because i have a like God roll Dragnair that I got from an egg as a Dratini. So I'm like on the Dratini hunt and it's the South Bank's like the promised land. I know you can get them there. It's meant to be a nest, which is now, it's probably now changed. Yeah. To something else. But, uh, yeah, we went there. We didn't get, we didn't get any Dratini, but the fact that we like went all that way just because I heard that there was a Dratini nest there. And then we walked around, we got coffee. We found a, a cafe that was like, we never probably have gone into except for the fact that, that like one, my girlfriend Liv was, Really hungry. Yeah. And you need to address that. <laughs> and um, and uh, it was like right next to an incense poker stop. And it was a great cafe. Like those kind of... Yeah. Like, uh, so I found cafes. Um, I've gone to like a bunch of like botanic gardens and um, like all this kind of stuff on, on ferry rides. I think we got a little bit tired. So one day I'm going to get on the ferry maybe by myself and just... Just ride. Get off every stop that I see stuff. Hmm. Just see what happens. Yeah. My my favorite thing about Pokemon Go is just the people watching. Yeah. Like just watching people play it because you look like such an idiot and you feel like such an idiot playing, but it's just so much fun. But you're, you're the majority. I know. Like that's the crazy thing. That is the crazy thing. Especially at South Bank. See, there's this one ferry stop at South Bank where there's three poker stops all on top of it and they're just constantly lured. It's just... There's a bunch of places in, in like, South Bank where they're just constantly lured poker stops. Yeah. But this seems to be, like, the place. Um, and two things I wanted to say about that place that made me think about it. One, like, yeah, the people watching, but also you you do get the occasional person walk by and there are two things uh, that they say. I want to get the message out there. This number one, walking by and being like, 
like giggling to your friends is usually like a group of like three 20 to 30 year old loser men. Yeah. Like walk by and one of them's just like, <laughs> fucking losers. No, no, they're like, oh my God, a Pikachu, right? Because they think they're the first person to ever think of that. Yeah. And you, you the, the thing is like with the, and then, yeah, and the other one is just like, or, or catching some Pokemon or like I've heard, I've heard for some reason the common one is, oh, we're all playing Digimon. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is like, usually if you play games long enough, you know the reaction that usually happens. Usually they'd say that and the few people playing, they like look down a little bit like, Ooh. <laughs> feel bad. But no one moves. Like someone yells at Pikachu and they're like, we all like roll our eyes because <laughs> they're the losers. Yeah. They're on the outside. That's the fantastic yeah. thing about it. And the other the other group of people I ran into, this is the first time that I've seen, like, there is still that contingent of older people who just want to be mad about something. Mm. And it's clear that they just want to be mad about something. Because we're thinking about this, like, uh, we've had old people walk by, not many, um, but the ones that have been bad, and say, and say like, you know, like... Oh, kid, at, kids these days, the only excuse they have to go outside no, is no, to no, no. be heads that, down looking at their phones. That maybe makes sense, but what they say is, like, go home. Like, what are you doing out here? Ruining things by playing Pokemon Go outside? Yeah, that's... Even though that they were telling every... Thing. Like, they were like, oh, why doesn't my grandson go outside? Yeah, that is the insane thing about this game, is that people complain about all these people now suddenly being outside. Yeah, how terrible. And they're like, oh... The only reason they go outside is to look around with their phone in their hand and stuff, but you can't have it both ways. Like, either you've got to be outside... I mean, they can. They just want to be pissed off. Yeah. They just want to be outraged yeah. at kids today for no reason. But a lot of the people I see... The war people, on young people. I, you know, you can see why this game blew up, because a lot of the time, the people are just, just curious. I've seen a lot of, like, mums walk by... With their son, and they look at they look at us, especially at that South Bank place, right? Because people are like, no one's getting on the ferry at this. Yeah, ferry actually, stop. that's one of the greatest things right. you told, like greatest stories about this game that you told me was that yeah. um, there was like thirty people on this ferry. Well, there's, terminal, there's way more than and, thirty, and a, and a ferry turned up and was like, "Come on, guys, get on!" And nobody got no, on. No it. one was there for the like. <laughs> no one. Who's causing a public nuisance? Yeah, and like so, people when when they walk by there, they're like, "What is going on here?" And then like the mum's just like. So how do we catch Pokemon? But you can hear you can hear her the gears in her mind going like, I should get this game. Like they're intrigued. Well, my mum has got this game. Yeah. She's now like level seven, like catches the catches Pokemon on the bus on the way to work yeah. and like walking to her car and in, like walking around the city at lunchtime and stuff. It is fantastic. <laughs> we we, uh, we were walking around uh, Manly, which is a really good spot. I love water Pokemon, so I try yeah. to go everywhere in water and. Um, you know, catching some squirtles, feeling good. Got a Dratini. Um, and and I think we saw, like, two new groups of people, like, that I hadn't seen playing Pokemon Go. Um, the first one, there was this, there was this like, middle-aged mum there at a playground with her, like, six-year-old, seven-year-old son, right? <laughs> seven-year-old son, like, pretty typical. And the seven-year-old son turns to her and he's like, Mom, can we just go home now? <laughs> and she, she goes, no, son. I wait until this Lou is done. <laughs> oh, that is so fantastic! And the other, the other, uh, so the other group of people was a little more scary. We went on this pier, and that's when I saw the strongest gym I'd ever seen. 
Yeah. And it was level six. So I've seen level eight gyms. I've seen like level 10 gyms. Yeah. But it was level six. And the third Pokemon was a 1600 Gyarados. That was the third Pokemon. And that was about a week ago. Yeah. Right. Like a week ago, that's a big deal. Just seeing that CP Pokemon. Hmm. And then it was like a 1700 Executor. Right. And then it was another executor that was, I can't remember, like 1,800. And then it was a 2,100 Vaporeon. And again, that's a week ago, right? Yeah. The lowest was still in the thousands. It was just this massive gym. and then these, Just this powerhouse. Yeah, and then these three dudes rolled up and started to take it, right? And they're actually taking it. But the three guys were genuinely a gang. Like, they were genuinely a biker gang. Like, finger tats and Like, finger tats. The main eyes. guy I saw, he was like Bandanas. 45... Rolly in hand. Bikey jacket. Um, no, he had a NASCAR shirt on. Um, a plaited red ponytail down to his waist. He just looked like, just like scarred face. He just <laughs> looked monstrous. And he was just, <laughs> and he was talking about how like, like he's, take... he's the kind of guy that on his CV lists glassing people yeah. as one of his hobbies. And he's going to take this gym. That's what they were there to do. Glassing people and Pokemon Go. Yeah. Yeah, I guess when you sell drugs, you've got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> and you're around in public places all the time, so it makes, it makes sense. It's crazy. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. It, I, I think the game is, is overwhelmingly a force for good. Yeah. And there's always going to be people complaining and, like... I've seen a lot of news stories pretty recently, like, in the last week of... Um, yeah. Like, entire towns campaigning to get poker stops removed and, like, um, people campaigning to get resident, some of their residential areas poker stops removed and stuff, but... It's just stupid. I don't know. I think they're just it's missing bloody, the point. It's bloody stupid. They're missing a point. Um, I, I can see for like ferry terminals when there's like 40 people at a ferry terminal and people who actually want to get on the ferry can't. People, they, they still could. And also those terminals probably aren't designed to have that many people <laughs> standing around the, on the, them. The thing is, um, I don't know why there's this idea that like po- people playing Pokemon Go again, like are... Like, when people talk about getting Pokestops removed and, like, they're afraid of roaming gangs of Pokemon goers, there is no better roaming gang. Like, it's not like these people are aggressive in any way. Yeah. All my interactions with other people playing Pokemon Go have been overwhelmingly positive. Have been, like, a friend, friendly nod. Yeah. Or... And they're just quiet. People going around. Most of them don't, don't speak because they're too busy catching Pokemon. Yeah. They just sort of quietly roll in, do their thing, quietly roll out. You know, like... And a poker stop isn't a big deal. Like I, I also think that pe- if people understood the game more, the idea of having a poker stop outside the house might not seem like a bigger deal. Okay, the only time that you get you, you don't get forty people outside a poker stop. Just for anybody listening who is not playing Pokemon Go, a poker stop it doesn't mean anything other than just a place where you collect a few items and continue on your way. Usually. Yeah. It's only at those places. Like, the reason there's 40 people there is because it's a weird spot. There's three stops, all in the same area, and it's a place where everyone goes. That's totally fine. The thing is, I don't see enough people on the flip side of that, like, taking advantage of this. Mm. Like, it's at South Bank where there are a lot of carts, like food carts. And I saw a coffee cart about 20 meters to the left of this ferry terminal. And, by the way, it's like a floating ferry terminal, but also... Like, there's a boardwalk and places to sit um, just off the ferry terminal. People were there, too. And there's a stall 20 metres away. I think it's one of those no things business. that... I think it's one of those things that uh, 
it, it, some businesses are savvy enough that they have started to catch on. Yeah. And like carts and stuff like that will eventually get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we... So, so you've been playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, um, we've been playing Pokemon Go. Since we last spoke, I've been... A lot's happened for me as well, apart from Pokemon Go. Yeah, you've moved. You uh, graduated. I, like, I moved house. No um, more uni. Had a job interview. Finished uni. Graduated from uni. Had mm-hmm. my graduation ceremony last week. It's I been, was there. It's been a stressful and, I don't know, busy time for me over the past few weeks. Yeah. Been doing lots of stuff. Went up to see my grandparents at the beach. Went and stayed at your beach house. Did many fun things and have just yeah. been relaxing and stuff since. Yeah. It's been... I've had a chance to play some video games and watch some movies and all that kind of stuff. One thing I haven't had a chance to do is re-watch our homework movie for this week <laughs> because I have not had internet for two weeks. Yeah, so homework movie... Uh, it was the good was Goodfellas, if you've forgotten. Yeah. Which you might have. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I'd never seen it before. before. Although I like mob movies. I have seen it. It's one of those kind of all-time classic... Meant to be one of the best, right? Yeah. One, regarded as one of the best movies yeah. ever made, which I think is pretty deserved. Yeah. Very well made, very well acted. Um, so since I... Since I know people like me exist, I'll just give like a brief summary of the movie for people yeah. who didn't do their homework. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think this is probably the most uncomplicated, uh, mob movie I've seen actually, because there's no underlying, he's not, there's he's no, not, he's not a mole, there's no like, like big, FBI agent. There's no like big twist. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's obviously really good. So Goodfellas is a movie made by Martin Scorsese. It's one of his like big. It was his first like gangster movie. Yeah. Just a iconic Martin Scorsese movie. Hmm. With all, again, like, iconic, um, ta- especially Italian mob uh, actors. So, Robert De Niro, yeah. who Peter thought wasn't in the movie, but he kind of... I forgot that he was in the he's movie. He's, like, in the center of the movie posters. Yeah. Um, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, uh, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Um, Paul, I can't remember his last name. But he, he, he always plays... That he's guy always guy, plays crime bosses. Is the guy from um, The Sopranos in it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what his name is. Paul, Paul, I think it's like Paul Scorello, Cicero, something like that. Um, Some Italian sounding name. name, Sorry. Uh, Yeah, so the movie, it's a movie based on a book called Wise Guys, and it's a book um, by this guy called, uh, I don't know if his real name's Henry Hill. I think so. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Called Henry Hill, who was a gangster when um, the Italian mob was really big. And the Irish mob really hadn't gotten started yet. It gives you a time frame. In, in, in America. America, obviously. Um, and, like, the starting scene, which, like, he's in so many clip shows I've seen. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it, ever since I was little, I want to be a gangster. Right? Um, and it's him, like, putting a guy in the trunk. Uh, yeah, and it basically tells this kid's story of, you know, how he got into the mob how he loved the mob, worked his way up, did all the right things, and then it all sort of unraveled yeah. due to drugs and just being a bit unhinged. Uh, and it's, it's really good. So Ray Liotta in like the the role sort of defined him as an actor. Yeah. Plays, he plays Henry Hill. Um, Joe Pesci plays... Like, I, I won't be able to remember the names of these guys, but Joe, Joe Pesci uh, plays like the crazy, really unstable 
guy in the mob. Yeah. And then Robert De Niro's the slightly older one. He's awesome. Yeah. He's 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 more just evil than than crazy. Yeah. So it, it follows Henry Hill. He's um. He's very very classic indoctrination into the mob. He's a kid. He's got an Italian mom. Unfortunately, he's got an Irish father. Yep. Which we'll get into later. But it may, it basically means he there's a cap on how far he can go in the mob. Um. So back then, if it was the Italian mob, you had to have like a family lineage that you could trace. Yeah, back to the the mother country. Yeah, all of that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's his story, very typical. He's a young kid. He lives in a mob-controlled area. Yeah, um, pretty poor. And a really area. big hallmark. Working class area. Yeah, really big hallmark of the Italian mob um, in those days was how they they cared for the community you know they acted that it, it's more than just um like something that they did to be seen to be good yeah it's a really important way of or, controlling or, that area you know? yeah like people look at them and they see them as people to aspire to and that's what like henry Hill yeah does. yeah it was that it was that sort of thing where um although it had the benefit of inspiring loyalty among people who weren't gangsters. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those like hallmarks of that society yeah. is they wanted to build up the community and take care of everybody. And that's, that's how kind, they, that's, that's how, how these of, things start. Yeah. Um, as sort of like, uh, I don't know, um, neighborhood watch has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Vigilantism that turns yeah. into crazy murders. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, and he, he, he goes in it for all the reasons that I, that I'm sure the like mob bosses would be happy to see. And Paul, his, his local area boss is exactly like that. So, um, he starts to get into things. He starts to just do jobs for them, run errands. Then he gets bigger and bigger and he starts making money and he starts getting into the business a little bit. Mm. He's paired up with Joe Pesci, who's a young boy in his neighborhood, He's also got ties to the mob. Joe Pesci's character. Has, I think he's got more like family ties. He's, yeah, he has big family ties. Yeah. He's the only one of all of them that can be made. Yeah. Which means, you know, untouchable. Be a made man. Yeah. Like a lieutenant. Yeah. And like... You get then, certain privileges you, and stuff. Yeah. Then you, you you get like your own patch of turf to be in charge of yeah. and can actually get a bit of the cut. More importantly, more no cut. one's allowed to kill you. Yeah. Unless it's another made man. Uh, and and you're, rules, you can kill anyone there's else. There's rules for like the other mobs. Yeah. They can't kill them exactly. as well. Uh, yeah. So they're paired together and they sort of start working more in the grungy side of things when they meet Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. Who is more of like he's a... He's a little bit older. He's No, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's much older. He's a man when they're boys. Yeah. Um, and Paul pairs them with him uh, doing his stuff. and Whereas like they're like running things... Mm. running whatever um Robert De Niro is the guy who kills people yeah and like threatens people stuff like that and that's how they all those three get involved Robert De Niro's whole deal is he's evil he's kind of pissed off I think that's he's I think a big part of his character motivation is just that he's also Irish and greedy and not like Henry Hill so not loyal kind of thing and he's just pissed off that he, he, he he should be a made man by now and that's kind of why he's still doing all the crazy dirty stuff because he's can be at risk yeah um and i loved it 
I loved it. I'm not going to go like explain the whole movie because that's basically what happens. He gets higher and higher up in the mob. At some point, cocaine becomes a thing in the US and the mob doesn't want to deal with cocaine because they're like wholesome or at least old Italian mob is. Paul represents old Italian mob. Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, new mob, which is just like, we fully transitioned from Neighborhood Watch into just, just new scary world, crime gang. New world, like violent gangster. Yeah. Uh, and then everything like unravels. And eventually turns everyone in. And that's basically the movie. But it's just done so well. Mm. It's done so well. And I think they do a good job of like... I'm already on board. A lot of movies that I've seen involving mobsters... Um, mobsters? Yeah. The, the thing that really gets me is that I just want them to do well in the mob. I don't... I just want to please. And like... My, my, the thing I think of is The Departed. Where Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he goes into the mob, but he's a... He's not a, like He's got the right it, family, he's an oh, Irish mob, but he's, it he's is a ju- mob. It is a very straightforward... Yeah, yeah. He just... He does want to work that way respect. Out, I love that. It's a very straightforward gangster story, whereas I feel like a lot of mob movies like, like these days and in the last yeah. decade that have been made all have... All, like, have to have their own sort of unique twist and they're, they're like they're, there's yeah. always a twist in them or there's um it turns out the guy was undercover like all the the, the complicatedness of uh, i don't think that's a word but anyway the the it is now the complexity that that's that's a word i know that's a word the complexity of a movie like the departed yeah um is a very different sort of tone to yeah. what goodfellas but um i i think you tells. know a lot of a lot of stuff happens it's not it's not just a simple movie. I really like... It's not just a simple movie, but the story is yeah. more straightforward than something like The Departed. I think, unsurprisingly, because it's based on a true story, it does a really good job of explaining and, and, and like showing all different aspects of old, that old-school Italian mob Yeah, really well. And I think movies um, where they have a twist, and the twist is usually the, the guy's an informant, they just can't show that because... Or they try and tell it from the police side of yeah, things. Yeah, because or... a big hallmark of the mob is missed there. Where, like, if, if it's from police's perspective, obviously, and also from an informant's perspective, all the mobsters are evil, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's, they're portrayed like that. Um, and they are evil people. You know, yeah. they're, they're killers and stuff. And that's not okay. But, uh, like, a big thing about the mob is, is how they got people in like that. The loyalty is... And the protection... And the feeling of belonging and the, is a really and the community, big hook. Community spirit. Type. Yeah, the whole idea that all the wives get together as well. Yeah. And the Don, that's not actually his title. I'm like, I can't remember his title. Yeah. But the, the Paul's King character, King or whoever. Yeah, Paul's character in the local area, right? He deals with every problem. Um, and it's really old school. What it really means to be like a crime family, where that comes from. So there's yes, a reason the why wives aren't really allowed to socialize with anyone else, <laughs> but they have this big network and he, in a day, that guy would deal with gun running, would deal with murders, but would also deal with, um, making sure that some low level guy gets his car insurance done. Okay. And if someone was insulted, he would like rough them up. Or um, if someone's grandma was sick, they'd take yeah, yeah, care of them. Getting down right down. If someone's grandma was sick, he would visit. And there's a part where Henry's... Um, it's, it's, it's kind of sad because his wife's kind of cool. But Henry you know, undergoes that second half of the gangster revolution that no one really likes to think about. 
where he, like he gets like the new younger girl, yeah, who's just coked up. She's basically there to just like run stuff um, for him, and uh, his wife finds out, and Paul goes to see about that. Like he goes and he sits down. And he's like, "Don't worry, you need to go back to your wife because we need to keep things looking like the way they are." And the reason he's worried about this is because um, it's like an example. Yeah. So they want every, all the wives to feel like it's okay for the husbands to be gangsters because they're still with them. It's a family feel. If they thought that gangsters, that, that being a gangster also meant having women on the side, yeah, they wouldn't be happy with that. So he like basically threatens him with like, "Sorry, mate, you've got to go back to your wife. Don't worry, I know what to say. I've done this a thousand times. I'll, t- I'll go talk to your wife. You just need to drop your girlfriend and and whatever. Like, I, just I get your really, act into gear. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Yeah. And there's a, there's a big appeal, and I, I, it's important to to show that because, like, I think if you'd only seen informant uh, perspective mob movies, you would have no idea of why mobs were such a big thing. I think you'd be like, "Well, why did everyone join this?" And the reason is because it's kind of attractive, at least the old school version. Of yeah, it's not it's not a black and white, simple yeah thing. It's a really well thought out um, sort of indoctrination with the whole family thing yeah how it reaches out to the community and if you're a high level mobster part of your job almost is to do all those little things like if there's a kid in your neighborhood who doesn't have much money you'd be like hey kid here's, here's some money for the bakery or like whatever because you're you know you're sowing the seeds for the next generation hmm. yeah um I just thought it was great. I think yeah, was I, I think it's a it's a really good movie. It's one of those absolute classics that, um, not everybody should watch. But if you if you're interested in cinema, if you like crime movies, yep. if you like movies, and you're not like a thirteen year old, you should see it. Yeah, because sure. it is pretty violent. Yeah, it's pretty violent, um, especially for the time. I mean, this was made yeah. in 1990, and it's it's one of those movies that was made like almost thirty years ago at this point. Yeah. And it, it entirely stacks up today. Like it, oh yeah, it, and the Joe Pesci stuff is so is so. It's like callous, callous death. These kind of things. Like he just shoots a lot of people that didn't need to die for like any reason. Yeah, but it, it is one of those movies that has stood the test of time. Yeah, and is very watchable today. Yeah. Um, a movie which I don't think will stand the test of time, <laughs> which you also wanted to talk about. Very briefly. Real Steel. Real Steel. So I watched Real Steel (laughs) because I'm a sucker for boxing movies and I thought, why not? Robot boxing. Robot boxing. I like robots. I like boxing. Robot boxing with Wolverine in it. So if you remember the the ad for Real Steel, Real Steel is this movie where uh, it's just a typical boxing movie with twists. The boxers are robots, but not really. Um, And main character is Hugh Jackman and... On the face of it, this seems like a really stereotypical movie. And basically it is. But I want to really talk about this big big section of it that I think is not stereotypical. The stereotypical yeah, so just to, thing, give, just to give a very, very brief plot yeah, summary. So um, it's, from, it's a boxing movie about ro- like robot boxing. There's um, his dad, played by Hugh Jackman, yeah. who gets his, his son from a... Um, marriage or a relationship which broke down many many years ago the wife dies or something and he gets forced to look after his son and his son like finds a robot and then they 
build the robot together and yeah. train the robot and have robot boxing and yeah. that's and so it's it ends about how you would expect a movie of right. a movie like they have this a little robot little robot triumphs over big robot yeah against all odds yeah it's like an underdog story and yeah. it's really not very good no but I wanted to talk about it um, so you wanted to talk about one particular aspect yeah. which was the fatherhood yeah so I want and how fatherhood is betrayed in this like, movie yeah, to set up so the reason there's robot boxing because the whole premise of the movie is in the future there's robot boxing because robots are that advanced now and why not have them box because they can kill each other and we can't have humans killing each other um, and uh, Hugh Jackman plays this washed up guy because uh, this washed up boxer who was like a big deal boxer like when actual boxing, boxing was around and now boxing's closed yeah and so he sort of hangs around the fridge of robot boxing right? yeah and these guys are like remote control the boxes is yeah. the whole idea and the whole the whole idea, idea is they of, basically have like a Wii remote and nunchuck yeah, from exactly. Wii Sports set up oh, no, it's and more, use it's that more to like box. A, no it's a more like a remote Don't control they? so there's, there's two different ways that they do it there's one where it's kind of like a console control and that's the that's like the budget way and then the second one is through voice commands so they have like a list of predetermined moves and they're in voice commands okay yeah and then I'm remembering it incorrectly then yeah, so the first robot they get is surprisingly that movie didn't leave much of an impression on me. <laughs> so it left a bit of an impression on me. So yeah, they get this Chinese robot who was a big deal and sold to the Chinese and then brought back. And so what they had to have to deal with is like all the robots' commands are in Chinese because it's got this experimental voice thing. And the whole reason that they can get the Hugh Jackman's character redeemed in the in the in movie is because the little bot that they pick up that the kid digs up is a sparring bot. Um, and so a sparring bot has this feature called a shadow feature, which means that it copies things. So in the final fight, uh, it's able to win because Hugh Jackman stands uh, inconspicuously like on the other side of the ring and um, just does... Just, does boxing just moves. does boxing <laughs> and then like the little robot just mimics it so it can move faster than a real robot can and stuff yeah uh, so that kind of makes sense it's still it's still a really formulaic kind of shitty movie but it kind of makes sense the thing is when you see this trailer it leads you to believe that there's a typical estranged father thing going on here you know what I mean the thing is you go into this you watch the movie and, and all these movies have the same sort of thing where he gets his son the mum dies he gets his son um, and so they don't get somehow, along. They, they don't, don't get, get along at first. He hasn't, like, and he doesn't by deal the end, with they're loving each other. Yeah, he doesn't deal with children so well. Too well. So, so maybe he's a little gruff, you know. And eventually, they realise that they have things in common. But that is not what happens. <laughs> and it's really important that you know this. It's not okay. Like he is terrible. So it's it starts off with him driving around the, in his, in his, in his Peter award for terrible yeah. father of the year goes yeah. to Hugh Jackman, Jackman. So in let's Real Steel. Outline some of the stuff that he does. So first of all, before he finds out about his son, we're introduced to him because he's running around with his fighting bot, big mechatro like mechanized killer machine. Um, and he can't get real fights. So what he's doing is he's going to these fairs, right? And um, the last fair he goes to, the one that we see. He's doing this event somewhere in South Carolina where um, it's his robot versus a ball who will win, right? So, like, and it comes out of the gate and he, like, just, like, tosses this ball. Like, it, 
it starts off with like animal cruelty, like cock fighting, <laughs> and then he he gets a call. Oh, his son, he has to go back because his son's mum has died, and he needs to go to the hearing. And he's like, oh, really? I guess. And well, no, first of all, he's informed. He's like, sorry, but she's she's dead, and he's just like, oh, so the kid's dead too. And they're like, no, 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 he's alive. He's like, oh, okay, fine. I'll go back, I'll go back I guess. He turns up to the hearing, opens the door, and realizes it's the right hearing, but then he's like, ah, and he just tries to leave. And the judge, who's way too understanding, is like, no, don't you want to come see your son? He says, no. It's not like he's convinced. He just says, no, he doesn't see him there, right? And then there's this um, the relatives, like uh, sister of the mum, I think, uh, who are rich, who, who like can provide a very stable home environment and desperately want the kid, right? Yeah. But for some reason, the crazy judge is like, <laughs> should spend time with his father, who's wearing aviators inside, maybe asleep, and doesn't give a <laughs> shit, right? And um, still doesn't want to see the, see the kid. And so then he just awards custody to him. And then like 10 seconds later, Hugh Jackman's like strolling out of the thing, like out of the courthouse to his truck. He just says, deliver me the kid, right? Um, and the rich guy comes up to him and he's like, look, we really love this boy. And he starts off trying to like say stuff. And Hugh Jackman interrupts him and says, 30,000. The guy's like, what? He's like, I'll sell him to you for (laughs) $30,000. He sells his son. That's how it starts. And it gets worse. So, um, there's something like, it's it's, it's a story of child neglect. There needs to be a three month period before he can sign over his kid to someone else. Right. Because... That makes sense. Maybe there's something with like how a custody things have to be worked out for a little bit. So the guy's like, fine, we'll give you half the money now, half the money when we get the kid. He's like, okay. And he takes the kid and the kid, you know, is dropped off to him. And the kid's like, what was that about? And so he just tells him, he's like, I sold you. <laughs> and, then, and then ignores him to like go work on the robot. The kid, the only reason the kid's happy and sticks around is because it's like, oh, robot fighting. Cool. <laughs> So he's robots. Like, I love robots. Like, oh, and, and and then they go. They like uh, the kids. Like I want to go with you. And Hugh Jackman's like thinks about it for a second. He's like fine, fine, but you know keep up. So where does Hugh Jackman go? He's going to like full on street illegal boxing in like these like crazy animalistic judge dread style abandoned buildings. And he believes it's appropriate to bring <laughs> his ten year old son. Yeah. He brings his 10-year-old son there, and their bot gets destroyed. Uh, and so they go to this... And so then he decides... Junkyard, right? He decides, okay, we're going to make up for this by making my 10-year-old son fight. He's going to be the new boxer. <laughs> I wouldn't put him on. <laughs> so they go to this junkyard. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> to try and steal robot Steal parts, parts yeah. yeah. To illegally per- pilfer parts in the middle of a thunderstorm at night. Yeah. And he's like, kid, keep up. And then the kid falls down this ledge into mud and lands on a robot. This is like three stories. He shouldn't be dead. He lands on this robot and he's like, Dad, we should we should take this robot. Hugh Jackman's like, I don't need that thing. If you want it, you dig it up. You dig it up. I'm going home. And so he leaves the 10-year-old in this junkyard. Like He goes. Like when they meet up, he's nowhere near the junkyard. He must have gotten in the car and left, right? And this kid is just left there all night to hand dig out this robot. Amazing, he doesn't get killed, right? Killed by and then he puts the robot on a dog car, robots. And then they meet, you'll notice that they meet during the day, 
Like, so it took him all night in the middle of this road that's like, you see all around, there's no junkyard. So, so the kid like, so the kid wheeled that robot by hand, this, this like robot that probably weighs as much as a car. Yeah. Out of like a foot deep mud pile in the middle of the night. Drags it with his bare hands onto like, a cart out to the street and then oh, carts it along the street and then carts it along for the street for a while for like half a day and then he finally gets there and you know what it's all just sarcasm. You definitely like huh, you look you look muddy. Were you working on something? <laughs> 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 you shitty kid. <laughs> and then Hugh Jackman immediately wants to like watch this. You fucking idiot. Yeah. So the kid does everything and he basically exploits this kid because. The kid turns out to be really smart. He programs the robot. He gets the idea of getting the voice controller from like the Chinese thing and puts it in the little robot so the little robot can hear voice voice commands, right? And then eventually, like the little robot starts winning a few fights. They take him. Uh, Hugh Jackman takes the kid to this place called the Jungle for his first fight, which is like an, like you know that Judge Dredd area. This is like the place that's like ten times worse than that. It's nothing but dudes with spiky mohawks, tongues out, screaming. Right? It's basically uh, the the arena from Spartacus. Yeah, and Chris, uh, and the little kid has to. That's his first fight controlling the robot. Um. And eventually they, they get this title fight with this dude, I can't remember his name, he's like called Zeus, I think. Who's like the seems appropriate. Massive robot. It's like a killing machine that this like Japanese programmer guy invented. And and they win. Because Hugh Jackman transforms into a brilliant father in like the final act. <laughs> and then the kid's like, Oh, I guess I'll live with you now, instead of the rich family who you sold me to. <laughs> Does Hugh Jackman give back the money? No, I don't know. I probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems exactly like what he. Yeah, doing. I would assume not. Um, so terrible part of the movie. Yeah, the whole thing's just crazy, just absolutely crazy. Um, I did enjoy some bits because I'm just a sucker for that kind of thing. So I liked maybe like the final. I liked laughing at the whole idea. This is just crazy and horrible and like abusive. <laughs> And neglectful. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's worth maybe looking up the YouTube fight. Because like, the 10 minutes at the end is kind of nifty. Where they have this idea of, like, a shadow function. The voice command gets broken, obviously. And then Hugh Jackman has to, like... Uh, very, very cliched. Very cliched, like, box himself. Um, but, like, box for the robot. Yeah. And the robot, like, follows his commands. Um, there was a lot of opportunities to make this movie better. Because it is kind of a cool concept. I know it's cliched, but, you know, big robots fighting in the future. Maybe we could do something with that. Anyway, it, guys, it is a terrible movie. But it's I need a bad to point movie. Out but it, it, I'm sure it'd be it goes, like a fun movie to watch yeah. with like a couple of beers and a couple of mates. <laughs> it goes far and beyond that whole like, over. oh, he's a bit rough around the edges kind of adoptive, you know, a strange father. No, he's actually a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to our Mr. Gaffer episode, though, he's actually a maniac. He should not be allowed to be there as well. Oh, it's so great watching kids' movies as an adult. Yeah. But this one especially is just, just messed up. Insane. Messed up. Yeah. Okay. And you know what's really tragic? What? I still had that moment where I became like, yeah, come on, little robot. You can beat the big one. Oh, you come did. Come on. You go. You go. I did. Oh. It was great fun. Terrible. I just like those things. I'm a rocky kind of guy. Anyway, that's that. Uh, 
Do you want to talk about a video game? Because again, crazy talk. We're going all over the place. Went from games to movies yeah, okay. to games again. Will we go back to movies? Who knows? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes is the answer. answer to that. Yeah. So just briefly, you want to talk about a, a game. Yeah, so the game I wanted to talk about is called Massive Chalice. Which, if I was to try and like sum it up with one like movie poster mm. quote... It would be um, XCOM meets Game of Thrones. Which sounds very cool. Yeah. On a side note, I'm sure in some poorly translated version of the game, that game is just called like Big Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Massive Chalice. Yeah. Um, and so basically the, the conceit of it is it's turn-based strategic um, combat like in XCOM. Mm. But then you also have... It's actually very, very similar to XCOM. So if you're a big fan of those sort of strategy games, you'll love yeah. this. Um, it's a little bit simpler. Uh, and where the, the sort of unique hook of Massive Chalice is that, um, uh, and where the Game of Thrones element comes into it, is it's all about um, arranging marriages and building up like dynasties and family, like yeah. the the ruling families, basically. So do you, are you the person who's building up these things? Do you, are you just like a god yeah. type guy? Yeah, so you're, you're like, a, a you're person? an omniscient god, right. basically. The, sort of the setup is that you are, you control the massive chalice, which is this talking cup, which has a male and a female who like give you oh. war tips and stuff at the start of the game. And at the start, they explain to you that there's this enemy called the, um, I think they called like the Drenge or something. That might. I it's like the think last. That's wrong. It's like the last. It's generic fantasy enemy. Okay, so you're trying to you're trying to orchestrate the yeah. world for a larger threat coming. Yeah, so it's like there's a this, shitty. There's this large to to Fable Three. Yeah, there's like this large threat coming, and you are basically trying to survive for 500 years before you can repel this threat forever. Okay, basically. And so, because of that, all the characters that you get, um, they start off as, like, 20-year-olds, but then they die when they get to about 60 is probably about the average, and then there's modifiers on that. Some can live to 80, some will die at, like, 45. Or if it's Game of Thrones, a lot will die at 20. <laughs> yeah, well, depending on whether or not you're actually a good um, player of the turn-best strategy stuff, that's very likely yeah. to happen. Um, but, yeah, like, you can you control... Um, the sort of the whole idea then is that you want to build up these dynasties and build up your kingdom over time so that you can survive this 500 year war. Yeah. Basically. Um, so yeah, that's where the game of Thrones side of things cool. comes into it. It's so you, you like build keeps and then you assign some of your warriors, which are like characters, which you can actually control on the battlefield. Yep. You assign two of them to a keep. They will be married and have children. They will be married. And those offspring will have some of their traits of their parents. Yeah. So that's kind of where the sort of long-term planning strategic thing comes into it is your each character will have certain base traits. There's three like base classes. There's Caberjacks, Hunters, and Alchemists. Mm-hmm. Caberjacks are basically like your warrior tank type thing, except they hold a giant tree trunk as their weapon fantastic like a big tree trunk with handles on it is their weapon basically and they're like the close combat tanky characters and you have alchemists which are basically mages except um they're a little bit different in that um they don't like cast spells or anything Mm -hmm. they throw like explosive bombs and they can attack close range as well 
And then your hunters is your typical archer sort of thing. You can use them. They have like a stealth move where um, they go invisible and uh, you use them to like scout out areas basically. Got it. Um, And then an extra element comes into it where when you are creating these families, if you marry like um, an alchemist and a caver jack together, they will create... um, uh, they will create a... a capitalist. Uh, it's called a brutalist. Ooh. Um, depending on who is the, like, ruler and who is the... Like, who is the who is the main ruler and who is their spouse. Well, it's like breeding games. Yeah, it's like a breeding thing. Yeah. Like, you try and breed the best warriors. Again, impossible you breed creatures. Them, you breed yeah, well, two together yeah. and they'll create whole new classes which have... Which, like, hybridize some of the skill trees. Cool. Basically. Is it, like... How complicated is that? Like, is it just going to create a warrior with, like... Some cable jack skills and some alchemist skills, or they can be new skills. Um, there are some new skills, but I think like the final skill is different. Okay. At the stage of the game where I'm at now, I'm at I've just gotten to 150 out of 300 years, so I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I haven't gotten any characters high enough level um, to where they can unlock the final skill, but it is basically like you pick yeah. one or two from each tree for these hybrid classes. That sounds a lot like. There was this... I love evolutionary games like that. There was a game called Impossible Creatures, which was an age of mythology, except you had these labs where you combine different DNAs of animals, mm. and you make giant versions of them that like... You know, like a gorilla and a and a scorpion or whatever. <laughs> and like, Yeah, it is kind of you like You could totally mess up where it's like, oh, gorilla head, scorpion body and tail looks awesome. And then you accidentally put it the wrong way around and it's like a scorpion face on a gorilla. <laughs> it just looks horrifying. <laughs> and it's not very good. Not very threatening at all. <laughs> yeah, so like the, the, there's a really in-depth sort of strategy yeah. thing that you can do where you want to try and breed the best um, lineage and you can have certain warriors that um, once they fall in battle, they can leave behind a relic which you pass down the family line. Oh, and, right. And stuff like that. And it, it is basically the XCOM thing where it, it takes... You're, like, basically researching one thing each time. And That's it could cool. be... It's going to take three years to build a um, another keep so you can start breeding more warriors. How quickly does the game progress? So, you, you, what's a year? Like, a, it, it depends. Like, basically, you set up a bunch of things, then hit the time progression button, oh, okay. and it goes through okay. days until another... Like, significant event happens, which could be, like, they have a bunch of randomly generated things which happen. Like, um, a recent one I had was um, one of my, like, alchemist researcher people came to me and said, oh, in my spare time, I created this thing. What do you want me to do with it? And you can be like, okay, let's test it out and see what happens. Or let's just destroy it. Or let's throw it in the massive chalice and see if it does something cool. Um, What happens at the end of the game? That's what I'm... I don't know. I haven't gotten there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this game is clearly about the preparation, not the actual battle at the end, right? Yeah. But what I, happens at the end? Does it just give you, like, a, I imagine like a, like a thought out sort of, like, this, oh, this is what happened. No, I this think is it'll be it just, like, a big battle at the end. Okay. And it's it's meant to be pretty replayable, I think. Yeah. See, how, the well, idea, see like, how well you did. Yeah. And then do it again. Yeah, there's different difficulties you can do it on, and... Because it is a really, it is a relatively simplistic yeah. um, game. There's not really much of a story to it, so I think it is designed to be played over and over again. And sort of, I'm at the point now where I'm sort of 
I'm finally working out how a bunch of the mechanics work together and, and what are the optimal ways for placement of my buildings in certain areas and what are some of the traits which are beneficial to have on your characters. Because like I kind of started off being like, oh, I like these type of characters, so I'm going to build a building to make them. Yeah. And not thinking about a bunch of the sort of more meta stuff. Yeah, well, that's 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 the point of those. Games, which is that which, first attempt which is people awful. which people I should be breeding together in order to pass down yeah. those traits to the family. And, and like I'm at, I'm at the point now where like the sort of my one of my big like the first lineage that I made they've passed down a lot of really shitty traits. Which is the horrible the phrase. Yeah, basically, yeah. like they're Weak they're slow bastards. they're slow learners. They're um, <laughs> lower strength, and they've yeah. got asthma. <laughs> definitely the phrase yeah um, um, well that sounds like yeah that sounds good uh, it's one of those games I think it, it, it's, it's, it's probably it like I'm going to have the same well. reaction to it as I had XCOM I don't think it's, it's like, really your sort of game I'd love to be good at that or like it but I just won't you know yeah um, it's definitely one of those games where I think it, it's definitely it's for me it's like uh, I have the same reaction to WoW like the new expansions can come out or has come out or Comes out a few, Whatever. a month or so, I think. And um, Chris would be able to tell us. Yeah, Chris, shout it out. Um, leave a comment, you bastard. <laughs> uh, but every now and then, I play WoW for about two hours. You know, like, it's one of those games where I just love the, the lore and the concept. I want to be a hunter and I want to tame some... Like, I want to see a beast, like any beast, and I want to tame it. I really get to liking it. And then the next step is I plan out my class. I'm like, oh, what race should I be? I love these races. I love those races. Alliance? No. And I can I try and like, and I think about that. And then I play it and I realize I just don't like this game. I love, yeah. the, I love the concept. I love the idea of playing it. I just, for me, it's just, don't, I just don't like it. And yeah, it's it, the same it's, thing when I played XCOM. I was like, I played it for a little bit. I absolutely sucked at it and I have no desire to get better. It's one of those things where I think both you and I, we really enjoy playing games and don't want to really think too much about what we're doing when we do it. Oh, like when I, I, I started think about out some like, games, it's just that I, I just can't I'm not interested in like really working out for myself, getting in depth with all the different, like managing stats and stuff. I'd rather yeah. just play the game. I need, And I'm kind of only just getting to the point in the game now where yeah. I'm like... Okay, if I don't pay attention to some of this bullshit, then I'm just gonna lose before I get to 300 years. Yeah, the reason the reason that I uh, gravitate towards the games that I do, so I play a lot of first person shooters, a lot of action RPGs. Yeah, um, is not because I want to uh, uh, not to think about those games. Um, I I get out my notepad just like everyone, and like I'll write down shit for Dark Souls, plan out a character do all this kind of stuff. Um, I just like, I'm just kind of the person that um, I, I like to control uh, as much as I can about the game. Mm. And I suppose you could argue on one hand, you control a lot on those like turn-based strategy games. But I just, XCOM, I just XCOM don't like picking a character, picking another character and telling them to fight and not being able to fight because I, in my self-absorbed way, think that I could do a better job. You know, like and, and like I could have won that, and so I just I just stick to those games where I can I can control as much as I can. 
Yeah. And those are FPS. Whereas there's like this this game and XCOM, there are a lot of, it's like dice rolls. So like when you are attacking an enemy, it says, oh, you have like an 87% chance to hit this character. Oh, can I stand a dice roll? Yeah. So like it'll, I've had a lot of occasions actually where it said like 90, 95% and it's missed. Yeah. And that is so annoying. Yeah. Because again, I, I'm I'm kind of I've had a lot of experience with first person if a shooters. If character dies, you lose them forever. Yeah, I've had a lot of experience with first person shooters and action RPGs doing stuff that it's bought me doing stuff that people say is like there's like a ten percent chance of you succeeding in doing that. Yeah. So when I see that, I'm like, I can do that. Like, the, but give but me a in chance a game to like this, be there's actually a ten percent. It's not like a ten percent over the whole population. It's like yeah. you have a dice roll ten percent. Exactly. And, and you lose this. Another another thing about this is, like, because your characters age and die, like, you might spend all this time, this time building <laughs> yeah. up an awesome party and then yeah. they just die of old age. <laughs> and that just happens. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, which I can't handle. So I do I do branch out. Like, I do play other games. I play this other game that I want to talk about next week that's very different from what I usually play. And I, and I love playing um, Darkest Dungeon. I jump in that all the time. And mm-hmm. that's definitely an RNG game. So I do try it, but I just, uh, you know what? It sounds good. I just wouldn't play it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a free game I got on the Xbox Games with Gold, and it's about 20 bucks off the Xbox store. Yeah. And I'm I'm really enjoying it. If you're into strategy games, it's good fun. It's got a good hook, very charming, fun art style. Give it a go. Okay. That's Massive Chalice. Massive Chalice. All right. The last thing I want to talk about this week, we're ending on a movie again. Crazy Town. I know. Um, is so we we went to the cinemas with uh, me, my girlfriend Liv, Peter, and our mate Chris, who was on episode ten of the podcast. Um, and we saw Jason Bourne. Yes. And to give you a bit of context, um, as to why I'm about to embark on the rant that I'm about to embark on, um, I loved. The Bourne movies. It was one of the ones that we had in our DVD set, and it was a, yeah, it was like an action spy, kind like of the thing. the original Bourne. Trilogy. Yeah, the original ones, uh, especially the first one and the second one. I loved them, and it was because yeah, like it, it, it they're Bourne movies. Um, it, it, it is an uh, sort of an action spy kind of thing, but it's done really really well, and um, it's got a lot of cool things in it. Um, and really well done scenes and quiet moments and the whole idea that you know he's lost his memory is different um, and I may have watched The Born Identity no joke maybe 15 or 20 times um, that's how I went into this movie and on the flip side of it we have Chris our mate who tragically and girlfriend uh, yeah oh, I don't know if we've seen any others she told me she hadn't she hadn't okay um, who, who had never seen The Born movie and they saw this one first. And let me just tell you off the bat, this that was an absolute tragedy. I'm not saying this is what this was a Batman versus Superman movie. By no means was it a Batman versus Superman movie. No. So Jason Bourne is like the garbage fifth, movie. Don't see Batman versus yeah. Superman. The fifth installment in the Bourne franchise. I would almost count it as the fourth because the fourth one was this. Uh, it didn't have Matt. It Damon. didn't have Matt Damon, and it wasn't actually a Bourne movie. It was well. It, it, it Bourne was, wasn't in it. It Bourne was mentioned in it pretty heavily, yeah. and it dealt with some of the characters from yeah um, the original trilogy. But it's not part and of the actual original book series. 
Oh. Well, no, the movies aren't part of the book series either. Like the, no, but it's set in that world. I, yeah. What I'm trying to say is it was, it almost it was an like entirely an aside. original yeah. thing. Yeah. And, um, but I, I'm i just going to say I think, think it was better than Jason Bourne. Well, I think they were both... I think it was better than... It's probably better than Jason Bourne. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. But what I'm really getting at is... It, you shouldn't associate them. And it's really sad that, especially Chris, I know who's not into these kind of movies anyway, he's just not going to see them now. Yeah. And it was, it's really, it's really annoying. So Jason Bourne isn't a bad movie, but it's a, it's an entirely unnecessary money grab. It's, it's that just a, adds almost nothing, adds nothing to the franchise. It didn't feel like a Bourne movie. Um, apart from the soundtrack, it just didn't feel like a Bourne movie. Jason Bourne is a passable, Spy action thriller, pretty generic. Yeah. Um, and because it's missing a lot of things, and I really wanted a ch- wanted a chance to defend this. If you're one of those people that's seen Jason Bourne and you haven't seen the others, just go see the others, please, because it's not a really good representation of it. Yeah. But for one thing, I mean, born, uh, so the, to make the distinction between camera movement and cutting, um, Jason Bourne is definitely one of those first movies that really made a Made that whole um, shaky camera fighting. Yeah. So, so the Bourne, the original, the Bourne legacy is one of the is it really pioneered the really so yeah, um, really uh, pioneered the close up claustrophobic um, shaky cam, yeah, um, quick cuts between things. That style of action movie, all this, all, all which, those, which would yeah. very very he- Jason Bourne, uh, the Bourne identity, very very heavily influenced. Um, Casino Royale, so the new James Bond movies. Yeah, um, and it was one of those spy films that really was redefined the genre. Yeah. Really, from like a really from your typical James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, just campy gadgets, made it. It made that genre a bit more gritty, realistic, and um, yeah, the the Jason Bond story. Um, the uh, the story of the born identity um, was a bit more relatable as well. Yeah, so I think there are, yeah there are a few things that are missing from this latest movie that I think that they just totally don't make out a born movie anymore. Um, one of them is so yeah the, the, the pioneer, pioneer Jason Bourne the born identity definitely pioneered that kind of um, a kind of technique in in fight scenes. Um, and this movie maybe tries to be a poor rep- replication of that. But what really got me in these fight scenes is that they're lazy. And the Jason Bourne Identity one is not lazy. When you talk about, like, making, if you do a lot of cuts in a fight scene, the typical thing to think is, yes, you have been lazy. Because it's much harder to choreograph a fight scene where it's one shot. Um, one day... Where you see everything. Yeah, one day we'll talk about one of the really, one of the hardest ones, that they've ever, one of the longest fight scenes that has ever been shot. Um, which is the fight scene in one of my favorite movies, Troy. Uh, so there's a flip side of that, where they had this fight between Achilles and Hector in that movie, and there are very little cuts, which meant that they had to get that choreography down, and the actors had to learn that. And if you don't cut in fight scenes, you can't put stunt doubles in. Have you seen you know, the so movie Old Boy? No, I haven't. So it's this Korean movie about this guy who gets... Um, he gets like 
uh, like people snatched mm-hmm. and he's kept for, for like 30 years he's kept in this one bedroom apartment for 30 years and he like gets out and is taking his rep- retribution and there is this like 10 minute long extended yeah. insanely iconic fight scene in like a corridor which is all one shot which is really good which you should watch yeah. so that, that's kind of that kind of thing but the, the, the thing that really is different about these two different fight scenes from Jason Bourne and Bourne Identity is that the Bourne Identity the cuts are just used at not crucial moments in those fight scenes it's like um, some moves are made and then there's a cut so the cuts are only really in there. And sometimes it just cuts to something that probably was filmed at the same time. It's just that, like, the cuts are in there to add to that jumpy camera feel of just, like, it being really messy. Um, but the choreography is still there. And in this movie, the cuts were just made when stuff happened so that you didn't really have to worry about yeah, filming it. Yeah, like, in, in the original trilogy, it added impact to the fight scene. Right. It was, Whereas it, for this, it didn't... Yeah, they, they didn't cut. have the same effect. They were cut in the middle of a punch being thrown just so they didn't have to worry about how good the impact looked. Yeah. And they, they did that, and I, it really annoyed me in that. So there's one thing I wanted to talk about, and there's two more. One of them is they're missing the born factor entirely. And that's, I mean, how do you not make a generic spy thriller when, in this movie, Jason Bourne has completely got his memory back? Except there's more of his memory... Yeah. Which but the, the, main, the main idea is, the is he remembers he's a spy. Thing. He knows people at the agency. He's got bug bags in everywhere. He's just a spy. It's just a spy movie. And in yeah. Born Identity, the whole hook, the whole thing that made the movie relatable is that you're with this guy who, yeah, he's who's got this assassin his past. Yeah, but he he's just uh, which takes, reacting which to takes the world. three whole movies. Yeah. Whereas this is like, uh, I think I was describing to you describing it to you before as born by numbers it has all the yeah. shaky cam stuff it has matt damon using intro uh, like improvised implements for fighting although and- they're not they're not nearly as good um or realistic as the the first ones no like there's there's, there's some, a stupid some, car, he, he like uses like scene. he uses like actual gadgets like they go to this yeah. spy convention in las vegas and he has like a remote surveillance Thing Which and is totally like not a, what this is a, like Jason like Bourne's meant to be about. Yeah. He's got resources. He's got bags. It's just not the way that it's meant to work. The way that it's meant to work is that you hear, Bourne is this vehicle who is just, he's just reacting to the world and he's got no resources and he's just trying to get out of there. Yeah. Like he's in, improvising. Like the one of the greatest like scenes from the original trilogy is when he escapes the authorities that are pursuing him. Yeah. By ripping out a gas line, filling a room with gas, and sticking a magazine into a toaster. In the toaster yeah. I think that's in a, supremacy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember which one. And they did a whole episode on Mythbusters yeah. about it, which yeah. was great. Just to, and explodes the yeah. room and escapes there's, by there's, doing something crazy like that. There's a few great ones like that. In, in I think it's one supremacy, one's identity, but there's one fight where... He's up against this guy who has some sort of a knife or something like that, and it born ends up using this ballpoint pen to kill him. And he also uses it uh, more important, more realistically. He also uses the technique in a lot of the fights, and this was briefly done kind of badly in Jason Bourne, um, where he uses books, anything with a bunch of layers in it. Um, this is actually taught in a lot of like, high, like high level self defense stuff. Books can stop knives just because of that. The, the effect that they have because they're not one solid thing they're, they're a bunch of layers this knife has to get through 
And so using books, especially in a knife fight, is actually a really well catalogued thing. And he does that in a whole, in, in, in a few of them. It's really cool. So you've got, but just that more just reactive, his memory loss, like some of the best scenes in Identity are him just trying to explain things. And again, who, who's missing from that? The person that he's explaining it to. The, 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 his, his girlfriend that he meets in the first movie is really important because Jason Bourne doesn't speak too much and the only reason that he explains any of this is because he has her to explain it to. Mm. And he doesn't have that. He, Nikki Parsons is in this for a little bit, but she's not like the sidekick that he needs. He needs someone with him who is like dragging through all this, who's asking like, why are you doing this? Why are you sticking something in a toaster? Why? Um, and, and, you know, some of the best scenes of that are the quiet scenes where he's explaining like, they're in this diner in identity. And I remember this scene more than the fight scenes where she's like, well, maybe you're just a police officer and you've just forgotten, you know? And he like outlines some of the stuff that he is thinking at the time. And you just don't see that because there's no girlfriend. So he, he says like, really? Because I know that the closest place you could get a gun from here is in the side door of the truck parked outside. Truckers always carry or carry or whatever. I know that this is, I know that the out, the altitude in this area for some reason, I know that the, at this altitude I can run for exactly like 10 Ks before my legs started shaking. Right, and like and he like explains all this, and like that's that's one of the coolest scenes. Yeah, and that leads into the third thing that I really think was always missing. This movie was incredibly loud, like a lot of paint by numbers action movies that we've seen in the past like couple of years. It's just so loud, and it's action all 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 the time. And there are big action scenes in Bourne. That's what makes it a Bourne movie. But there's got to be that breathing room. There is one action scene in particular which I want to call out and ruin for people. Because it's just fucking ridiculous I mean, go and ahead. stupid. Yeah. Is um, there's like a car chase scene at the end where um, where the whoever other uh, spy guy that Jason Bourne is pursuing steals like a a SWAT van and is like speeding down the Las Vegas Strip. And at one point, he just decides <laughs> to start like driving like a tank would, just how, through how cars. How many cars do you think, Peter? That's going to be the longest scene I've ever seen of that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe like 30 cars. 30 cars in a movie that is meant to be based on the Bourne like meant to be in a sequel to the Bourne movies that are all about realism. They have a SWAT car driving through maybe 30 parked cars and it is... Like flipping them up in the air. And it is fine. And it's fine. SWAT vehicles are not built like tanks. Even tanks would struggle to do what this bloody four-wheel drive does. And a driver is fine. Yeah. And it shows the car at the end of that scene. It's got not a scratch on it. It's, it's just the most ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. suspension of As disbelief. As this movie got to its like the climax, it really got sad for me. It was that, yeah. and then the end the fight scene was just full of bad cuts, and just a, it was just a bad fight scene. Yeah. And the, those fight scenes between him and the asset are meant to be like the best parts of the movies, you know, where it, like. It's the big climax. It's a Bourne versus another guy from Treadstone, and it's going to be like something really serious. It just wasn't. No. It, and it, it was so long. It was so long. There were like three different endings to this movie. There was like the ending at the casino with Tommy Lee Jones. Um, there's another ending with a car chase. There's another... No, there's four. There's another ending when he beats the asset. 
And there's another whole set of scenes after that that there's are like an even epilogue. more redundant. It's like an epilogue, but it's an epilogue. Epilogue, which is setting up for a sequel, but an it's obvious all, sequel. It's also... It was just so sad. But like, it's also an epilogue that just gives you no, no new information. It, it felt a lot like... It felt... Did it feel to you kind of like a Bond movie? Uh, it was definitely... The, it was definitely In that all the plot threads were cleared up at the end. There was no compelling overall mystery. It's definitely it, more like a Bond movie than a James Bond, uh, Jason Bourne movie because... It, I mean, in a Bond movie, there's more... It's, it's, they, they play with realism a little bit more, you know? <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, the thing, the really Bond could drive a um, a car through thirty cars, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I think the really disappointing thing for me about this film was that it was missing a compelling, like overarching mystery to drive the plot forward. Yeah, there was just no like there. There was some vague thing about some other generic super soldier program and something about but his never, dad being never, involved. Addressed. No one cares it, about the like dad. they they bring up plot some plot thread about some hacking group which gets abandoned abandoned almost immediately and it was just over, all over the place yeah. plot wise. It was really disappointing and it was just inco- incoherent and disappointing in that regard. Yeah. I think. Really, if you really are a fan of these movies, just don't don't go and see this one because it'll oh, just definitely, disappoint Oh, definitely don't go and see this one. This was a negative experience for me, and I'm, yeah. I am a, I, I I as think, big a fan of Jason Bourne as you can get. I think as a film, it was fine. Like, Possible. There was, nothing, yeah. there was nothing, I think, like, overtly bad about the film. Apart from that driving scene. Apart from that driving scene. Yeah. Um, like... As like a dumb action movie, it was fine. But the Bourne movies are yeah have this pedigree of being smarter than that. No, yeah, I think and I, it I didn't live up to those lofty heights. I absolutely agree with that. It, it, it's a passable spy movie if it wasn't a Jason Bourne sequel. The fact that it is makes it an actively bad movie for me. I think because yeah. it, I I think it would not have gotten near as much buzz if it wasn't a Jason Bourne film. Yeah, it's selling. Uh, I I think it's it's. Selling a false thing on its yeah. um, oh, and some of the name, tr- uh, yeah, and you know, driving that that truck driving through those cars being totally weird and unrealistic is compounded. That that is compounded by the fact that um, if it's not the finding the asset scenes, it's the car chase scenes that are really cool with Jason Bourne. Yeah, because um, and I've watched a special on uh, I think it's in Supremacy. There's a mini car chase scene um, in Spain and. Uh, like there was a whole big featurette done about that for its stunt driving because it was it was a really it was like a, a claim f- a, a car chase scene because it made sense. So few car chase me- car chase scenes make sense, and this one made absolute sense. Like the way he's getting away from the police um, in a, actually a smart way, you know. Like he's not like his car. He's not like doing this thing where like you know Fast and Furious style where he like shifts the gear and all of a sudden his car's moving faster than everyone else's cars. Um, and he doesn't like spin the car around and shoot people and fly back around a la Red or Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, um, he steals a car radio and is listening to police, like to see the turns they're making. Um, and it was really, really, oh man, I just want to watch them again. Like, yeah, I I really do. Yeah. That's that casting as well. He, this was so, actually the more I think about it, the shittier this movie is compared to the other ones. Like. It, was, it has so much flow to it, that car chase scene, where 
and he's and he's like doing this thing that he's been trained to do where like he he's he's not looking at the, he's just using he's driving with his peripherals and he's just re, he's he's pulled out this map of the city and like he's basically looking at the map because he's actually like yeah he's picking the route he's like trying to work out where this is all going and then when he finally crashes that car that's that great thing where he loses them in the, in the subway station to get really off topic with the born supremacy but like and he loses them in the subway station he's bleeding and and um so he like makes a left and he's like limping he's like, he's limping he's not like he's really hurt and he and justifiably he's like limping and shit and he like cuts through the supermarket so that he can like he like swipes a bottle of vodka from the supermarket as he's going yeah and, so he can, and like, some gauze and he like up. and he's just like you know pours it all on it sterilizes all the shit like tries to like bandage it up a little bit like as he's going it's just it, it's so cool because it's so streamlined and sexy and it makes sense and this this movie just doesn't it, it just doesn't perform on the same level yeah which is a real shame it's a real shame so that's my that's my review of Jason Bourne an entirely don't see unnecessary it. sequel that adds nothing to the franchise don't see it go back and watch some of the other Bourne movies because they are fucking fantastic Especially Identity and Supremacy. Oh, how bad was Tommy Lee Jones in this movie? Pretty bad. Yeah. Criminally anyway, underutilized. Well. We, we've been going for far too long. Really, I just wanted to get that rant out of there. Please don't see Bourne, Jason Bourne. Yeah. Please don't see it. Um, thank you for listening this week. It's been, <laughs> it's been, it's been, been a while. Yeah. Um, what homework? Do you have a homework movie you want to do? Homework movie. Homework movie. It's um, going to be another gritty action film. Yeah. No, we're, gonna do, we're gonna do Hot Fuzz. Yeah, which is kind of an action film. Part two of the Cornetta trilogy. Yeah, and I really wanted to watch this uh, uh, because I hadn't watched it, and also because I have read Nick Frost's autobiography. So yeah, so that, that'll be that'll be a fun one to talk about. Um, as always, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Be with Sam Peter. Leave us a review on uh, review on iTunes Let and follow us on Instagram. Think. It'll be. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. We're either a B with Sam Peter or A B with S P. Yeah. We're mostly B with Sam Peter. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fun time. And um, and yeah. I've said this before, but just to remind everybody, uh so iTunes takes about a day to recognise that we've released a new episode. But if you're subscribed to us, um you'll get it as soon as we upload it. As and soon as I it's get always, it. It's always uploaded on SoundCloud as well. It's always uploaded uploaded on SoundCloud, yeah. But if you have the app and you're subscribed on iTunes or what, uh, however you want to be subscribed or on iTunes or whatever RSS feed you use yeah. it will pop up anyway yeah. that's it that's it we're done this was Outro. really fun to get back I'm going to drink the rest of Buddha's insides 